Time for Hidden Histories. Donald Fallon is with us. Uh, Donald, how was your Bloomsday? Good to be. Oh, it was fantastic, yeah. It was, uh, anyone that was following it in real time on yeah. social media, we did the we did the whole route of the book, essentially. We you didn't make, you it, did the, the whole we didn't make route. it to Night Town, but oh, we, we did most of it. I fully expected, as you'd said when you were leaving last week, I fully expected you to stay on Duke Street and then get no further in <laughs> well, honour of the original Bloomsday. I was spotted on, on, on Duke Street by a news talk listener or two. We'd go chat. It was a great day out. I don't think there's any other city on earth that does something like that every year. I just think it's, it's a brilliant, no, brilliant day. It is remarkable. Uh, you're here to talk to us about something entirely different this week. You might be able to hear a little bit of it creeping into the background uh, right now. The sort of sounds uh, that you may think that you've heard before and that might sound like something that uh, might ring a bell. I'm going to stop for a second. Sounds like the sort of thing that you'd hear being played uh, over a PA system while you're having a massage or something. Uh, That is the work of a musician named Michael O'Shea. It's a name that mightn't mean much to people, but frankly, even though they might think that music sounds familiar, they will never have heard anything quite like it because he's playing an instrument that he invented himself and he's playing it with (laughs) chopsticks. Uh, And this is is peak Donald Fallon, this, because he's going to tell us about how uh, Michael O'Shea's album has just been re-released and it's receiving uh, plenty of attention. Uh, been released, Donald, by All City Records, which is a label that most listeners probably won't know yeah, much this about. Is, this, is a, this is a great venture. All City Records is very easy to miss. It's on Crow Street in, in, in Temple Bar and it's both a record shop and a, and, a, and a street art shop and it has this great spirit in it. it kind of, I imagine it's what Temple Bar was like you know, in the, in, in the 1980s when it was considerably more subcultural uh, than it is in, in, in recent times. Mm. But All City Records, they really they, they pump it all out you know you name it from electronic music to hip hop music and folk music and what they've done in recent times is they've released a kind of archive and they're digging back and putting out these records which have kind of fallen through the cracks uh, of history including this record Michael O'Shea's 1982 self-titled record Uh, this is a record that was floating around Discogs and eBay for for silly sums of money to be honest but now it can sit in anyone's collection uh, for less than a score and it's just an incredible instrument I mean what we heard there as you said in the introduction uh, it's unlike anything else in the world. Yeah, uh, so explain to us then exactly what that instrument is because it sounds a little bit like a zither or something or, yeah. or some sort of a, a, a mystical harp sort of thing and that, that's kind of what it is in some bass terms but it is an instrument that Michael invented all by himself. And he gave it a name. Uh, Michael O'Shea called it Makara or My Friend and it consists of a door and I mean a literal door. An actual <laughs> door. actual door rescued from Skip uh, on his travels. Strings and he played the thing with chopsticks so it has as you said there in the introduction it has this kind of world music sound and it's a world music story in the sense that the door was taken from a skip uh, in Munich but this thing was a brilliant brilliant invention you know he made this thing himself from scratch and it was a tricky one in terms of amplification but he figured it all out and it has this sound it has style the image on the front of the LP of O'Shea playing it you know this was his instrument and his instrument alone Amplification is a really good point actually because people don't realise that when you're playing an acoustic guitar that one of the reasons that it works is because you've got that hollow chamber behind the strings to amplify the music which is something you don't have uh, innately in doors (laughs) that you you don't find in a skip in Munich Uh, we actually have some audio this is Michael uh, talking to Mike Murphy on the live mic where he talks about exactly how the instrument came to be all of that is true I mean isn't it true but you got this from somebody's door in Germany well it was somebody's door actually Um, but I think they thrown it away I found it in a skip in Germany and, and why did you want to play a door? Well, the reason I wanted to play a door was because I, I played sitar, Indian sitar, for about eight years. And I was a bit tired of it. I sold mm. it, and I wanted to change. And but I playing was... a door, Michael? One oh. doesn't normally go around looking at people's doors and say, gosh, I'd really like to play well, that. If, if you're Irish, you can't do something different. <laughs>
I love, I love, I love the idea that he just got bored of a sitar and just said, <laughs> you know what, I'm just going to make my own one. I, I've gone through the entire catalogue of Eastern musical instruments, um, which is probably though fitting in a certain way because uh, Michael O'Shea, as you can probably oh, tell a- maybe from a little bit of his accent, he was a little bit yeah, of a wanderer. He's a great story, this guy. Michael O'Shea was born in Newry, uh, 1947. He lived a really colourful life and he, he writes this kind of little brief autobiographical sketch for the record where he says he left school at the age of 16 and a half just before I was due to fail my intermediate exams and eagerly set out to explore this mysterious world of which I had read so much about. I mean, his, his, his story is brilliant. He's a classic wandering kind of hobo of earlier times. You know, he would go everywhere and he would do anything. Briefly in the army, which he deserted. And then among the other jobs he had in life, he himself says he was a barman, a waiter, a labourer, a packer, a wireman, a hippie, a factory worker, a salesman, a clerical worker, reconciliation, relief worker, social worker, sculptor, designer, joker, inventor, I'm, actor. I'm glad you're taking breaths in the middle of all of that. <laughs> ends it beautifully he says not wishing to dwell upon my personal history I will leave you to imagine what I did in the gaps (laughs) (laughs) what did you do between the 3, 6, 9, 12, 50 uh, 20 odd titles that were written down there music was the great passion I cut out a few by the way I cut out a few that's all we could fit in but 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 you left in hippie hippie as as an actual profession absolutely absolutely it's Um, on the CAO uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, on his travels of course as a guy with tastes as eclectic as his his musical horizons probably broadened quite a bit absolutely it's in Bangladesh in the 1970s where he gets the sitar instrument there and he learns to play it uh, and in turn busks to make a living on the streets and there's great images of him you know having returned from Bangladesh playing this homemade instrument uh, he went to so many Irish people went to London and he would make his money in the tube stations uh, of London and this instrument that he makes himself you know out of that door that certainly catches the eye but I think it's not just how the thing looks it's how it sounds you know that's pretty mesmerising and Paul McDermott is a a, a documentary maker he was drawn towards the story of this kind of wandering traveller playing this homemade instrument he nails it I think he just describes it perfectly he says the sound is hypnotic repetitive and I was truly transfixed. O'Shea's music sounds completely otherworldly. It fuses the sounds of the Middle East and South Asia but is also redolent of Irish traditional music. I think that is the yeah. magic of it. That's a, it's, a, it's a very fair summary as well based on the little bits that we've heard. Now, um, on the streets of London while he's busking there uh, trying to, to make ends meet, he comes to the attention of some pretty brilliant musicians yeah, and I mean, promoters. The London of the 1970s is a fascinating place musically. Whatever you want is happening there. You know, there's a folk revival that's in full swing. There's other things happening too and O'Shea's music comes to the attention of Ronnie Scott who's the proprietor of Ronnie Scott's which is this legendary jazz music venue mm. uh, in the city and you know everyone sees this guy on the streets and becomes kind of curious about him but some people take it further Graham Lewis and Bruce Gilbert who are members of that really iconic cult punk rock band Wire they're so taken by him when they meet this kind of unique character they invite him to release a record on their own kind of experimental record label they're putting out records which aren't making an awful lot of money but which they feel you know belong yeah. have should have their day uh, in the sun so I mean it's it's really punk rock you know is there anything more punk rock than releasing a record of an Irish man playing a door no. that he made himself but having met him busking on the street Wire essentially mesmerised invite him into the studio they don't hear from him and then about a year later he's just standing outside the door of the studio and he says I'm ready to go here we go um, the track that we've just played a little bit of and obviously it's a pretty lengthy track because we were able to hear it uh, underneath our little chat here for about 60 or 90 seconds or so um, it's very much non-conventional because that's the opening part of yeah. a 15 minute yeah. opening track. Yeah, is there anything track? more punk rock than opening a record with a 15 minute <laughs> yeah. track which is just stunning you know and, and a, a recent Irish Times piece on the re-release record uh, talking about that song in particular said he plays Makara like a wooden gateway to different cultures drawing from Indian tones Middle Eastern scales and Irish tradition the whole world is in yeah. a track like that you know and over 15 minutes 
absolutely everywhere. And it's difficult to believe what you're listening to is that instrument yeah. when, when, you, when you hear it. Uh, it sounds like a, a gang of musicians and if you look at the credits and it's Michael It O'Shea. does and it's just one guy with, with one instrument which as we mentioned is very difficult uh, to amplify because of its acoustics. Um, I suppose the one thing that struck me when we were going through all the, the notes for this when you sent them in um, is, is someone who does uh, musical fusion like yeah. the style in which Michael is doing you could either run the risk of n- trying to uh, appeal to so many tastes not that he was trying to appeal to those tastes but that mm. you could end up only being passively liked by any of them but Michael it seems has done the opposite because he moved within so many different musical yeah. scenes that, yeah. he, that he grew a, a massive fan base among all of them the new introduction notes to this record are written by a very mysterious character called Failed Bohemian. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> Failed Bohemian gives a good overview yeah. of, of the Michael O'Shea story and says he mucked right in with the folk, traditional rock, progressive jazz, electronic and post-punk worlds without hesitation. You know, he was happy enough to move around all of these different scenes. Uh, and, you know, the, the fame was brief. I mean, yeah, he made it onto the live mic on one occasion. But yeah. Very, very brief was he in the spotlight, you know, but he, he was respected by musicians, which was more important. And from Wire to bands like Dead Air, you know, people that were there just found this guy fascinating. And I think there's echoes of someone like Seamus Ennis in that story. Seamus Ennis, you know, who was such a massive influence on Planksy, Christy Moore mm. and that era of musicians, was able to get up on stage at a rock music festival and play the Illin Pipes and kids were transfixed. Long-haired kids would stand there and listen to it. I think Michael O'Shea probably had that effect uh, in London too, that the music was just so special and so different that no matter what was your first love musically, you would give it a go. You'd yeah, try it. Sort of like a musical Esperanto. Um, as is often the case uh, in, in slots like this, unfortunately, uh, he met a fairly tragic and quite sudden end. Yeah, I mean, every, everyone dies in the end, you know, on, on, on this slot. And, and the manner in which Michael O'Shea died on the streets of London is just tragic. A total freak accident uh, on a December day in 1991, week before Christmas. He jumps off the back of a, a stalling London bus into the pathway of an oncoming post office van and he's critically oh. injured, losing the battle to survive five days later, the 23rd of December, 1991. I mean, right before Christmas. Mm. They bring his body home. Uh, they bury him in, in, in Ventry, County Kerry, where his father uh, originally hailed from. So it's, it's a very sad, very sudden end. And really, I mean, he only really came to prominence in the second half of the 1970s. So, you know, his time was his time musically was was, was brief. Yeah, it make you wonder if he'd had more time to to be. Uh, well, I don't know if there were any other places in the world left to conquer, but if he could have fused more parts mm. of world music in, just just where his his work might have gone. Um, All City have plans not only to, to revive uh, things like this, but also to put other little gems back on the shelves as well. Yeah, and I think the manner in which they're doing this and the critical acclaim for what they've done, uh, it's interesting. It shows, I think, that there's a growing sense of curiosity. Uh, towards our musical past. Recent stuff, the 70s, the 80s uh, in particular. And I mean, there's never been a better time for sales of vinyl in this country uh, than at the moment. So they're, they're tapping into something very yeah. good. And another recent release, Buntis Rinka, Explorations in Irish Jazz, Fusion and Folk, is great as well. That was put together by Peter Curtin, the DJ. And he said that the Finnish compilation ends up telling the story of an overlooked underground scene in Ireland mm. that produced some of our most extraordinary musicians. I didn't even know that there was this legacy of Irish jazz music yeah. until that record came along. So yeah, yeah, I think what all city are doing, taking you know gems from the past, be it jazz, be it folk, be it a bloke playing a front door, you know, all of this stuff <laughs> is now back on the shelves, I and mean, there's, there's something remarkable about that. It's the work of a historian done by a record label. There's only so many times you can say "guy playing a door" before it just begins to get entirely surreal. Uh, but uh, fascinating as ever. Um, you can catch all of that in all city records on Crow Street in Dublin, or I'm sure you can find it in, in some other places as well. Donald Fallon, as ever. Uh, thanks for bringing that into our lives. Donald Fallon is a historian and he's the author of the Come Here To Me blog and books, volumes one and two of which are available in all good bookshops.